0: I built my whole philosophy of sales in really committing to asking great questions to somebody that's shown an interest and really committing to listening to what do they need what do they want what are the problems that they are experiencing what are the results they'd like to get let go let them make the decisions if if we can do that multiple times a day a week a month a year then we have a compound effect, albeit a small one, on the globe where we're just making a a, a tiny weeny difference and that that feels right.
1: Most leaders want more sales, but they don't want to be salesy. So how can we make sales feel more human, like having real conversations and less of pushing a product? I mean, it's so critical to understand that things have really changed. Think about it. We're in a global recession, essentially. We're more distributed. Everything is online. Sales is now booming on social media and everything sometimes feels more impersonal. And sticking to the old playbook is no longer enough. What matters now is learning how to connect with your customers on a personal level in order to succeed as a business, which is why I'm so excited about today's guest, Matthew Erwell. Matthew is a trailblazer in sales. His impressive journey from the basics of cold calling to sealing substantial deals, and now as co-founder of the Elite Closing Academy, which trains hundreds of salespeople and business leaders, shows how his unique ability to understand and adapt to the evolving world of sales is so valuable in today's world. His expertise has gained him recognition as a global keynote speaker. He's been on stage with David Goggins and Stephen Bartlett and Lewis Howes and Neil Fatale and so many more. He's also the author of Open with a Close, which I actually have a copy of it here, uh, where he shares innovative sales strategies that really resonate in today's market. So if you want to learn how to close more sales whilst being genuine and human in your approach, then this episode is for you. Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual, and I'm joined today by Matthew Elwell. Matthew, welcome to the podcast.
0: Mate, honestly, I'd like to roll that up uh, and take it with me everywhere I go, that introduction. (laughs) Fantastic. That's very kind. And you're welcome to. You can take the episode. (laughs)
1: <laughs> to just play it any time anyone says, oh, so tell me about yourself. <laughs> well, let, let's go deeper on that. So let's start with how you got to to where you are now. T- tell us a bit more about your journey and especially some of those pivotal moments that led you to develop your unique approach to sales.
0: Thanks, Matt. Yeah, I mean, look, my my sales journey started like most people's, like by accident. I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning when they're 12 and goes, mummy and daddy, I want to be a salesperson. And certainly that wasn't me. But yeah, the very first job I took was in the great city of Birmingham, cold calling with no training at all. And I was a ladies sanitary wear salesperson. And it's fair to say I was absolutely terrible at it. And I remember just having dread every single second I was involved with that first job and thinking, Do adults really do this for a living? And there wasn't any training, there wasn't any like it was literally just go and knock doors and get a compliment slip. So, what was interesting though is I love people and I've always been massively people focused. So, I was like, I kind of love the people bit, I don't like the not knowing what to do, and also some of the things I was hearing that you were meant to do, like talk over people, explain things to them, pitch them. I think most people watching this would know it as the old-fashioned features and advantages sales. So it all felt horrible to me. So that's where I started. And I quickly realized that actually there's another way of doing it. And I learned very early on to ask questions. And that was about as technical as it got. So I built my whole philosophy of sales in really committing to asking great questions, to somebody that's shown an interest. And that's a, a key distinction. And really committing to listening to what do they need? What do they want? What are the problems that they are experiencing? What are the results they'd like to get? And, and really, I just start to, by fluke, to be honest, Alexis, just come up with my own version of conversational sales, really. And I think that's that's the major background. And then I ended up running a business family business in the retail sector so selling tiles and bathrooms over the counter face to face initially and then it got you know we dealt with some companies like next and john lewis so you know we negotiated some bigger contracts but a lot of it was learned close close sort of conversational selling really so that that's the background that's really nice. And w- was there a particular
1: moment or sale where you kind of came out of the pitch or the you know came off the the call or came out the meeting and thought there that's I did it differently or like that like just landed well and you got that sale or you know was there a was there a, a particular moment or a series of moments where you kind of really felt like that um, crystallized for you?
0: Yeah, I think I I did a bit of work in the photocopying industry as a, a 19 year old, 20, 21 years old. And one of the things I noticed that I did differently, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. was to ask questions and really genuinely listen and understand. So, my, I think my, I learned this like, again, a little bit by fluke is that you're not meant to sell something to somebody every time. Mm -hmm. And, and actually, that's quite a big distinction, even to this day. So, I think when I realized that my job wasn't to get someone to buy, But it was to guide somebody that might be interested by answering questions, sharing information, understanding what they need, and almost being a bit like a GP or a doctor, really. It's like gather the information first and then decide whether or not we should continue second. Mm. I think I, again, that was just my, I hated rejection, feared rejection. So I was like, well, how do I get it so that I find people that are interested, ask them loads of questions until there's no questions left and then present them with some options and then let them choose which option or which experience they'd like to go with and and that was a big distinction for me and and, and from from learning that as as a younger man uh, that's been my philosophy ever since that's what I teach i love that and um,
1: what then led you to writing uh, your book open with a close
0: hmm. well when i was in the retail showroom in the family business mm-hmm. In 2008, some people listening to this, particularly the older ones like me, might remember something called a global recession or it was called the global financial crash. Mm -hmm. And also another word that was used was credit crunch. And at the time, we'd invested quite a lot of money in our business and we weren't feeling the credit crunch. But it was obvious, you know, there were problems. And then I think that was the year when all the banks went bust. The banks ran out of money. So it's like, that is a real problem, isn't it? When all the banks have got no money left, it's like, hmm, we've got a real problem here. So I think like that that period of time, we had to go old school because we'd invested a lot of money in our business. Like hundreds of thousands, we, we invested in, we were in retail, we invested in piece of land and we built a 6,000 square foot two story showroom in South Birmingham, just as the recession was happening. And most of my competitors were like throwing money at marketing, 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 as it got tougher. And we were like, we had no money. So we are like, we didn't have any money to throw at marketing. So we went with our communication skills and we went with our existing client base and we moved towards all our existing clients. We're like, hey, who do you know right now, despite the economic crisis that is investing in their bathrooms, in their kitchens, in their homes, in their buildings, in their businesses? And and that sort of process enabled us to trade through the recession really our sales and communication skills so when i eventually left that company my brother bought my shares at that company in 2017 and i was going to have a bit of time off i lasted about 3 or 4 months and i started to do a bit of consultation work for somebody that we both know a guy called nick james and We know him well, he's my business partner now. And what I didn't know, Alexis, is that the lessons that I'd learned in the retail industry and from the photocopying industry and from knocking on doors, the human to human interaction side of it, what I didn't know is that that was, well, one, was it transferable into the person I was consulting for? And Nick's business is a business mentorship program and it's around business growth. You're in, you've been a part of it, so you, you understand. But for anybody listening, it's like business mentorship, business growth, strategies, that kind of stuff. And he wanted a bit of help with increasing his sales. And when I started to consult with him, what I didn't know is whether or not what my philosophy, my framework, my, my style of, of doing things was transferable. And it was very quickly, we, we hit it off very quickly. And, and I think that's because we had uh, um, value alignment. Uh, our values were aligned, and I think anybody selling anything, uh, I know you're very high on values. It's important to have a set of values that you know you operate within. And Nick and I sort of just collided, and and as I started to consult for Nick and then some of his clients, the results were, you know, really powerful. Mm-hmm. And it was then that I started to realise that I'd got information that you know, small to medium-sized enterprises at the time. I now deal with, you know, companies. My biggest clients like 325 million now. But then it was more SME. And I realized that I'd got information that could help people that maybe were struggling after the recession or maybe gone bust. And I decided to write it as a tool Mm -hmm. and as a gift, really, to not – I didn't write it to sell anything. I wrote it as like a sort of like, here's how I do it. Here's how I sell. Here's how I communicate. There's some structure to it and there's some guiding principles. And I thought, well, I'm going to put that back out there and hopefully it helps people. And I remember being really scared to do it and I held it off for ages. It was ready for ages. I didn't publish it. I didn't get it over the line. I was like, why would anybody listen to me? I had that little sort of negative tool. Um, But eventually I got it over the line and, and a great publisher... Rethink Press helped me do it. And I have to say, I I genuinely mean this. It, even just sitting here now, I had a message this week from somebody I've never met before, I don't know. They don't live in this country. And it just said, dear Matt, thank you so much. I just read your book. And for the first time ever, I've realized that sales is just a conversation between two human beings. Uh, I didn't try and get them to do anything. And I made a, a sale. It felt really nice. And thank you. And honestly, to this day, I still am gobsmacked about how much love I get from that's from amazing. people. And that's why that's why I wrote it. Sorry for the long answer.
1: No, I love that. I think, and I love that the your approach to writing the book very much mirrors your approach to sales. Right, rather than going right, how am I going to get the sale necessarily? It's how am I going to deliver value? And in sell, in your sales approach, you're asking great questions, as you said earlier. Um, but then in the book, it's delivering great value and helping answer some of their biggest issues and so on. I think you know, I, I love Open With A Close. I think you've done a fantastic job in that book. And I know from having worked with you, how much depth of understanding there is and how you work that balance really well between having a very sophisticated understanding of selling and lots of tools in your tool belt and yet then turning that into something that's quite simple that anyone could do and I think that that's a that's a real gift and something that I think you're strong at if you had to kind of um, pick some of the key principles or, or steps from your approach so that so we could start to get a sense of of how they might apply it into their sales process what might what would that look like
0: yeah thanks for those kind words i appreciate that very much and i think sales i always know when i'm doing a good job as a trainer when people say to me this is really simple mm. and you know that is actually a big compliment because if somebody turns around and says this is really complex it's unlearnable so i think that's the first thing it is i think sales should be natural and anybody watching this will know what I'm talking about, if you've got a telephone voice like, "Hey, good morning, How are you?" Like don't speak like that uh, what What humans that are buying are looking for is is one thing really, and that's certainty, so it's like you know, act from you know your normal natural energy, your normal style, like don't try and be somebody you're not. You're not fitting us to be anybody's judge. Don't make them right or wrong. Like buyers can change their mind. They can ask for another quote. They can go somewhere else. They can ghost you. It's a buyer's market. So I think it's 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 like a real guiding principle is to 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 be natural and to speak to uh, other human beings as you would yourself. And I also think there's, there's a respectfulness about that too. And that is, you know, you're not meant to sell something to somebody every time. Like, let go let them make the decisions. I always say when when the buyer or the possible buyer is like making all the choice, like when, when they're in choice, you're in control. Not when you're trying to control the choices that they make. Mm. And I think that is a, a pandemic for salespeople that are often, you know, good-willed people, but focus more on their targets and commissions. So I think if I could summarize that better, it would be to genuinely have the best interest of the buyer at heart, and to not be attached to whether they do something or not do something that's not really the job at hand. I like to see you know the way I teach salespeople is is to be a guide for somebody that is uh, interested in the kind of results they could get from your service or from your product and and to be a guide not a you know not a judge and jury and i think I think that's actually quite a big a big distinction that a lot of Untrained people get wrong. And I think a couple of other key principles is to ask and commit to listening. Like, ask questions, don't use assumptions, don't use presumptions. And you hear them all the time, don't you? I've just been doing a coaching call with one of my clients who said, All people in London at the moment are, are finding life difficult. And I just went, That is the biggest like presumption I've ever heard. It can't be proven. There's not one person in London that's investing in health and fitness at the moment. Like, of course there is, and I think assumptions and presumptions create like rigor mortis, really, in, in sales. Mm. They're, the thing, they're the things that cause the biggest problems. I always say if the salesperson is the reason why somebody doesn't buy, that's the time to go and get them trained pretty quickly. Mm. So, yeah, ask questions, don't assume. And then I think lastly is to be detached from the outcome. If you can bring some of those principles into the way you sell, it's, it's a game changer. It, it really is a game changer.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think, the, cause I, I think those, are, those are key. I absolutely love them. And one of the things that, I, that was really landed for me as something that I hadn't been good enough at in basically all the businesses I'd had to the point of coming across your work was that principle you mentioned early on was around certainty. Like buyers buy when there's certainty. Can you talk a bit more about that particular principle as to what you mean there and what does that look like for a business, for a salesperson, for a sales process?
0: Yeah, great question. I think, firstly, humans purchase results. So what a buyer is actually looking for is something they can walk away with. uh, And if that solves a problem or accelerates a result, you really are in, in, in business, really. So that's the first thing. And then I think the second thing is if there's a result to be had, um, then then it's really for you to understand. Like by not getting that result, what what the problems are. I think I think that's that's what great sales people do is, is is understand that bit. And and your question was for me to clarify. Which bit do you want me to clarify more? Sorry.
1: Yeah. So I think it, it on the the certainty piece. Like one of the things that I've seen in my own and other businesses is that there's a lot of it depends there's a lot of oh well that can change and this can change and as a result it actually makes it hard for a customer to buy because they don't have clarity on what am I actually buying as you say like the results that you're getting what's the approach what actually happens what's even the price and I've definitely seen that in I've seen that my own business I've seen it in others Where there isn't that clarity, that it hasn't, it's not stamped into your ways of working, your sales process. So as a result, the client doesn't know quite what they're they're buying, and as a result, doesn't it's difficult for them to make that decision. So interesting, like maybe an example where you've seen that and the difference that it's had between being giving a client a potential client that certainty and and not.
0: Yeah, and I think it's really a, a, about giving the team, if you've got a sales team, giving them the skills and the certainty they need to operate from a place of peacefulness. And instead of using language of uncertainty, which is, as you mentioned earlier, lots of ifs and buts and maybes. And, you know, here's a classic, you know, and they go, oh, yeah, we're interested. Can you send us an email with some ideas? And then, like, one of the team, not like, sends a load of ideas. It's like, don't do that. Like, what? why just send a load of ideas to somebody until... You know, until you understand exactly what it is that they need, and it's like no. So I think I think it's about creating a skill set, a way of communicating, and, and giving the individual that's selling everything they could possibly need to 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 feel confident and uh, not to be cocky or to be arrogant or anything like that, but just to have to be a great communicator, to have some structures, some answers to be following a, a simple process, like getting into a car, you know, it's like mm. it, it, it's it's to have something that's repeatable. I think the biggest problem that I see with untrained salespeople is that they wing it and they just say stuff. And the problem is as a buyer, you can smell bullshit a mile off. So like you can tell if someone's winging it. So it's much better to be authentic and, you know, to be, to, to be, uh, honest and straightforward and transparent when when you're selling. And I think, you know, the ones that wing it, they're the ones that you sense you shouldn't give money to. And you normally tell them a little lie and say, like, look, that sounds great. I can see the value. Appreciate your time. Pop it on an email. I'll get back to you. And if if those are the responses that business owners hear, something's going wrong really badly somewhere. Because that's all, all polite language for, like, no, you know, it's not. That's not how it works. So yeah I think I think from a, a certainty point of view, a, a buyer, and it's a buyer's market um, has to make sure that when they invest time, money and energy in a product or service, that that money is going to a going to a company that has bothered to train their salespeople that the money is not going to disappear. you know we've all heard of these companies that come and go. And I think by training up your staff to communicate properly and sell well with some ethics and integrity, it it creates more certainty in buyers. And you just notice that you get more money and you get more contracts signed as opposed to when you've got salespeople that wing it and just say stuff, tell lies and do anything they can to get a commission check.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And and I've definitely seen that difference in in different businesses between where they they themselves as the either business owner or the sales team have a winging it approach mm. versus having that structure and and the impact on performance is stark, which I'll which I'll come back to uh, in a moment to ask you about specific examples. But the um, one thing that strikes me is that as you mentioned, you know, you don't want to be winging it. You need to have structure, and previously you know outside this podcast we 've talked about things like the relevance and the importance of a script, and people that have listened to this podcast will have heard me talk about you know detailed checklists, and indeed my team have checklists for how they do their sales calls and discovery calls and so on. However, one of the concerns uh, i think it 's a legitimate concern that people have is that balance between having Clarity and certainty and a process and an approach and a script that you follow versus yeah. not then feeling too, too formulaic, too scripted, yeah. too uncomfortable. And I think I see people worry so much that it's going to appear scripted or anything that as a result, they go for the winging it approach, which I think yeah. <laughs> is actually worse. You'd be better off. I I think it would be more powerful as a salesperson to say, I'm not a very good salesperson, so I follow a checklist to make sales. <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> like that would be better than going, "Hey, yeah, let's have a conversation." But like, what's what's your view on it, uh, and how to get that bounce right?
0: Yeah, it's a tremendous subject to be talking about. It's like a pilot, isn't it? You know, I'm sure when a pilot gets into an aeroplane, they probably don't need to do all the checks because they know how to fly the plane. But praise the Lord, they do because a mistake is very costly and. I think this is the same, particularly in a world where we're all investing so much time and money in marketing and generating opportunities. That, like the salesperson that is well rehearsed, permanently well practiced, um, the salesperson that sees this as you know their number one priority to be as good as they can possibly be, that isn't emotional and takes emotion out of it and brings you know some logical process into play. That's the salesperson that. You know, drives sales, drives growth, uh, and does it in line with you know values and integrity, and you create long, long-standing relationships. So I always, I always use like if you think about elite sports people, or if you think about let's take say Usain Bolt for example, or you could take something like a great singer, Celine Dion, or Andrea Bocelli, or something like that. You know, do they, do they go into a performance? Let's say, let's say Andre Bocelli when he performs, like is he? Doing the same thing every time. Well, like the fundamentals and the principles, yes. So like the 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 sort of like hitting the notes and all that, like the larynx and all, all of those principles are. But then there's the human to human interaction, there's the energy in the room, the the human Wi-Fi, so to speak, and and, and that's untrainable and that is not meant to be scripted in any way shape or form and the way i teach sales people is i go look why don't we get to a place where when you enter into a sales conversation let's say that you have got the recipe the framework the guiding principles the structure and the habits and that comes through permanence and practice, like the habits, the muscle memory, to go into that situation where you go, whatever happens next, I've got everything I need. And then what happens is you stop thinking in your head, because I've always said, if you're in your head and you're overthinking it, you're dead. And then you can just go into your heart, which is what I say. When you're being smart, you're in your heart. And all I mean by that is, if you go out for a drink with your best mate, Uh, and you haven't seen her or him for ages or where he might be. Like, you might on the way there be thinking about, well, what are are the one or two topics that we probably might catch up on? But then when you're in the conversation, you're not thinking, well, if he says this, I'll say that. And if he doesn't say this, I'll do that. Like, you don't think like that, because you've got all of the human interaction skills you could possibly need. You're, You're in peacefulness. You're able to say what you want to say. And that's because... You've had many, 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 many conversations. So you're not worried about what might or might not happen. And I always say, like, if your team's not practicing this kind of stuff, uh, then they will wing it. If they don't have skills, they'll fall back on, you know, um, doing things that don't work. They'll avoid difficult conversations. So, so yeah, I think, I think st- um, framework, practice, good principles, uh, all of these things are what elite performers do. And then in between the gaps, the human-to-human interaction, I like to invite intuition. I like to invite vision. I like to invite creativity. I like to allow for the profile of the buyer, their personality to come into play. And I always think like there's a non-spiritual, there's a, well, there's a non-physical side to us all, which comes out, you know, through tone. It comes out through love, through energy. I think bring all of that into play, as you see fit within, within the framework. I think lastly, a good way of thinking about this is if you think about great actors, you know, and your, your favorite films, uh, I just watched one of my favorites is gladiator. So, you know, I don't know who wrote gladiator. I could probably find out. I don't know who directed it. I could probably find out. I know Russell Crowe was one of the main people, right? So when the director and the writer, flew Russell Crowe into a hotel in London or New York or wherever it might have been with his agent. You know, what they'd have done is that they've given him the script and then have said, like, learn it and then make it your own. And I think what they wouldn't do is like, you know, there's the script. Just ignore it and do what you want. And 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 when you put it like that, you go, oh, okay. So if I want to be great at sales then, all i've got to do is really like learn a recipe and and then make it my own okay I can do that and and again, you know I should imagine I'm not an actor, but I should imagine like there are the great actors are rolling with the punches within the guidelines uh, to make it feel real and i think I think anybody that thinks about it like that's going to give them a better chance
1: I love that I think the that analogy of the script that's given to an actor, I think, is so powerful and appropriate here because I can totally see how, as you say, it makes it so obvious that not providing the script to the actor is ridiculous. Anything. You know, it, like, and, the, and there are of course films where things are improvised, but it's it's design, like the whole design is different and it it it, it can it, that's not how they make blockbuster films like The Gladiator. Those things are scripted and and, and what's interesting is it that analogy also gives us some insight into the level of detail that you need to go to, mm. because to some extent it's what needs to be in the script is what matters, what makes a difference. Mm. So if, for example, it matters that as part of that little scene that he gives a sideways glance to the, the sister of the, of, the, of the enemy or whatever, and that that's an important thing then it would be scripted in, whereas what you wouldn't want is Russell Crowe like forgetting to do that or doing that and he's not meant to have done and it creates a a suggestion of a completely different narrative that isn't meant to be there. And I can see how, as you say, like the, the script is what you're giving to your salespeople to say, this is what works and will help you get the results. But then your training, your coaching, your practicing, is what gets you to the point of, and they can deliver it, and it feels natural, and it feels natural to them as well as the customer. In fact, that's probably an even better way of looking at it, particularly given what you said earlier on around the important to be yourself and the natural you, is actually rather than to say to the salesperson, Hey, I want you to practice this and get good at it, so it's natural to the customer. It's yeah. probably better to say no, no, until it's natural to you, until you feel comfortable dealing, you know, doing this in a very way that's you and so on. I think that's a lot easier for them to take on and yeah. If result. you
0: think about, if you think about a crash person that comes to your house like a plumber, yeah, something's gone wrong with a pipe they turn up with like two boxes. My dad's been in the trade for years and he's got like boxes with loads and loads of things in it. He doesn't use every single one of them, Mm. but he gets the piece of the, the tool that he needs for that specific job. And, and sometimes he even needs to remind himself, like I haven't used that one for a bit and I'll just check the manual and whatever else. So yeah, the way, the way I like to teach it is to give the salesperson the toolbox and the skills that they need in a habitual way so that you're not having to think about, Oh, you said it's more than I spent. One set, let me just check my script. I'll get back to you in a sec. Can't afford it, right? What I meant saying is like, you don't want that because it's not conversational. And great sales in the twenty first century is meant to be conversational. So I think you know, it, it's it's to it, it's it really comes down to again skill set. Again, if you think about Usain Bolt, right, if he's running a race and with twenty meters to go, he's not quite where he needs to be. What does he do? you know, he he, he, he goes to a a burst technique and reminds himself as where his elbow needs to be or where he needs to drive. He picks the technique that he needs in the moment to give him, you know, that 1% in in that moment and, and that will be coming naturally because, you know, you see him run for 10 seconds. What you don't see is three years, 364 days, nine minutes and... 50 seconds of practice and core stability work and power training and nutrition and stretching and core stability and yoga and like no alcohol and like you don't, you don't see all those bits mm-hmm. and thing, I think I was in a negotiation in Europe uh, a few weeks back now and um, there were five negotiators and um, my one of my team members and me and and like it was a hard negotiation you know these guys are are steely, well trained, you know. Uh, they actually have negotiation training, you know, and you can see that they've got good principles and and, and tactics, and like you know, if you're not if you're not uh, able to operate at that level, they're gonna they're gonna eat you for breakfast, and it never works. So you know, I I believe in equilibrium, and you know that humans should do business on, on the same level. And, and like, if you go into a negotiation under skilled, you're, you know, you're a dead man walking or a dead woman walking. So, so why would you do that? You know, if you want, if you've got a serious service and a serious business and you want to build lifelong uh, relationships with people and you want them to be moving towards the solution rather than you trying to talk them into it, then get your, get your team skilled, give, give, the staff, the, the the training they need, and then commit to excellence and commit to practicing and create a culture and become known for, you know, in a competitive world, become known for the company that has the most ethical sales process, become known for the company that operates in negotiations from a place of values and service, become known for the company that says no to the wrong relationships early become known for the company that has the best communicators in it you know become known for the company that provides the best client experience when somebody's buying and all these things are available to us if that's what we want to become and you know we get to create the business and the life that we want you know and uh, for me i think back in the 70s and 80s and 90s and certainly when i was first coming into sales you needed the gift of the gab. You needed to be able to talk a bit of shit, you know. Give it all that one, the old car salesman, you know. You have to have that kind of stuff nowadays, you don't. You can, you know, it's expected that you can hold a conversation from a place of respectfulness. That you can have structured conversations. That you can, um, you can be quiet and great at sales and still ask a powerful question. You can be, you know, a calm. Considerate human and, and still get on really well, no problem at all. I think, you know, it's it's a requirement now, isn't it, to give people the skills they need?
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think the ability to, in the moment, as you say, be that level, you know, you've, you've evoked examples of Hussein Bolt and so on, you know, actors, Russell Crow you know, that's the level and it's why, you know, it's why, you're, why your business is the elite closing academy, right? It's not the quite good <laughs> <laughs> closing academy. And that's what you look for, right? It's creating these elite closers in people's businesses that can do this. And I, and I think that, that that craft around it and that practice is what makes that. I'd be interested, because one of the things that I know that you are excellent at is something that you've mentioned a few times, which is asking great questions. Mm-hmm. I know that it'll depend on the product, the customer, where you are in the journey and so on. What are some of your favourite great questions to ask potential customers?
0: Yeah, love it. I mean, firstly, my, my I always go towards vision when I first meet someone. So I always want to find out what vision they've got in their brain of, of what an amazing result of investing in my product or service looks like. And I'm happy to hear them out on that one. So again, I see lots of salespeople trying to get me to see what they want me to see because that makes it easy for them and they walk away with a big commission check. I'm very much like, share your vision. What what do you need from us? How can we help? Help me understand you. And I think if you can go there first, it's a game changer. That's what actually the open with a closed philosophy is. Start with the end in mind and then if you can turn that vision or dream that the client's got into a reality through your service, progress and like start, you know, if you can't, don't don't try and come up with something and try and turn, you know, an elephant into a donkey or a circle into a square. It's like you've got to say, hey, from the answer you've just given me, I'm definitely not the right person. I can't help you with that. But I could be a stakeholder for Alexis Kingsbury. You need to go and see Alexis or you need to go and see my friend Nick or, or whatever. And I think I think if you can start there with your questions game changer. And then there's a framework that I've used all, all of my career now, since since my early 20s. And what I worked out is when people used to look to buy a bathroom or tiles, they're what I would describe as a non-essential. So without questions, the only thing the buyer's got is the price. So if if it's just on price, I'm always going to lose because I wasn't trying to be the cheapest tile and bathroom showroom in the world i was i was looking to be in in the mid to upper and to provide a service as well as as a product you know so what i learned was that even though it's a non essential there were there were sort of four key areas that i needed to ask about uh, one was pleasure um or And it's more prominent the other way around, to be honest. But in the non-essential, it is pleasure first, pain. So what led you to move towards us today? Like what result are you looking for or what are you looking to solve? So again, think about somebody that buys a bathroom. They're either looking for a, a nice, beautiful new bathroom or the bathroom they've got is leaking or something. So the number one thing is you need to find out pleasure or pain. The next one is urgency, like ask questions around urgency. How long have you wanted that or how long has that been a problem? Like understand how urgent is this to resolve for that person right now. Um, So again, pain questions, pleasure questions, urgency questions. The third one is really need. Your clients or possible clients should be able to describe to you in great detail from their prism what they think they need from you. Not you telling them what you think they need because they won't understand it, and you'll you'll like literally blow their brains, and they'll say, "Pop it on an email, and I'll ring you back," and they won't. Um, it, it's it's paralysis by over analysis. You know, you're the expert, so don't talk in expertise language because you'll lose them really quickly. So, what do you think you need from me is a great question that, um, and, and often people do. They're not stupid. You've got to trust the buyer more. In the 21st century, they can find out a lot of information on, as my mom calls it, the Google web. You know, there's a lot of information that buyers are looking at before they get to you. It doesn't make them an expert. It just makes them well-informed. So find out, like, what do you already know? What do you need? Uh, and, and don't make them right or wrong. Just Let them speak and encourage them to say what they think they need more. And then the last one is trust you can have pain, urgency, and need. If there's an absence of trust, you'll never do business. So, And the way you build up trust, by the way, is is by mastering communication, by allowing them to feel heard, by genuinely listening, by being concerned, by having the best interests at heart. That's how you build trust, not this, hey, build rapport, ask them about their dog and find out how things are at their end and all that shit. It's like, no, don't talk about my dog. Don't talk about my kids. That's not what we're doing, Right. I've got all my own mates. We're not mates. And again, if you're listening to this, thinking, bloody hell, that's a bit harsh. Of course, you know if you're in rapport with someone, you can talk about kids and mates, if it's relevant. But the point I'm trying to make is you'll earn trust a lot quicker by asking questions in order and sequence and, and being a real pro, is my experience. So ask questions around pain, urgency, need, and trust. And then finally make sure that the answers are qualitative or measurable. So find out what that really meant. You know, we live in a world where people don't say what they really mean, you and I included all day, every day. Imagine if you just said what you really thought to everybody all the time. You'd either be locked up or you wouldn't have any friends. So remember, don't take the first answer to a great question, literally. Explore, find out what that really meant, um, follow it down the rabbit hole a little bit. A good example of that is, you know, if somebody sort of says it's more than I want to spend, like, what were they meant to say? Is that all? Why don't you double it? Like, people say things that they don't mean, so you have to explore what that really means. So, yeah, that's the that's the framework. I call it punt with a cue, pain, urgency, need, trust, and qualitative information. And if you can ask questions around those five during the sales process, you'll find that exchanging contracts becomes a lot easier. Because you've had the awkward and onward discussions, you've moved towards the truth, you've found out the real problems, uh, and there'll just be a m- much more trusting basis between both parties.
1: Fantastic! So,
0: and it's such
1: a smart model. Since learning it, like we've we introduced it into our sales processes, so my team are using these these sorts of questions as well. And I think it's really really powerful. You've had incredible impact on lots of businesses, including my own. Thank you. Can you give me an example of like a favorite example or like a a specific thing that happened? You know, we've spoken in the past about uh, various examples and and some of what you did recently that had some incredible impact where I think you had a customer that made 1.2 million or something in sales in 30 minutes during the training that you're running. Like give me an example of kind of either scale impact or one of your favorite impacts that, that you've had.
0: Mike, great question. I think, look, I think if I just took what you just said to hear a you know an amazing business owner with a, a, an amazing product like like you say to me that I've had or my training has had a, a, a big impact on lots of businesses that that's the moment there that I'm I'm living for because you go um, you now businesses are vehicles for our communities to thrive and for us to make a difference on the planet as well as make a few bob along the way to support our own dreams and. And goals and I think if my little training company can add to that even just 1% it, to your company and to, to your family and to your staff then like that's heaven in a little bowl for me really it's like that's impact right there and I think that the purpose of our company is to develop people so if, if becoming a better communicator and making sales easy and elegant and graceful within companies and not conflict and not greasy and not an Achilles heel, which it is for, for so many people, unfortunately, um, if, if, if we can continue to do a little bit of that every day and it's not just me now, you know, I've got, a, I've got an amazing team that support me, um. That 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 really feels great to me because I, I believe in serving others, and I believe that 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 when a human being is looking to buy something from somebody else, if we can create a win for the buyer, a win for the seller, and a win for the universe, you go, Amen. We've cracked it. You know, it's like everyone wins, and that's that's uh, probably the best example I could give. You know, it's like if if we can do that multiple times a day, a week, a month, a year, then we have a compound effect, albeit a small one on the globe where, you know, we're just making a a, a, a tiny weenie difference and that, that feels great.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, I love that. So Matthew, you've been incredibly generous with your time. You've given such great insight in this episode and so I hugely appreciate you for that. How can people find out more, learn more. I mean, we'll include in the show notes, we'll include links to the open with a closed book and your social media profile and DIN and, and your website. Like what, what would you recommend as the best next steps for anyone?
0: All of those. I think, I think, I think you're probably right. A great way. Like my philosophy might not be for the, for you, you know, and that's okay too. There's plenty of great sales trainers out there and there's plenty of, you know, I follow a few myself. So, it might not be for you, but I think, you know, the open with a close book and audio book, for example, the audio book is on all major social media platforms, you know, Amazon, YouTube, Spotify, and, you know, Audible, a- a- any of those platforms. Give it a go. I, I wrote it so that, believe it or not, I'm-, I'm actually not that logical. I've got a little bit of logic. I'm more emotion, but I wrote it in a very linear, logical way. Mm-hmm because I wanted to create a simple framework that people could follow. And you can read the book or listen to the book in two and a half hours. It's, it's read by me. So you'll be a fluent in Birmingham, Birmingham accent by the end of it. But yeah, you can two and a half hours of study in the gym on a walk and give it a go and, and see whether or not my philosophy fits into, you know, your style. And, and if it does, you know, follow us on social media and we're, we're in each other's world.
1: Fantastic. Well, Thank you so much, Matthew. Massively appreciate uh, you taking the time for for this episode. And uh, yeah, it's been absolutely awesome having you on on the show. Thanks for having me. Now, we've developed some super useful templates and sample processes for business leaders who want to solve some of their biggest problems permanently. These include Guidance on what processes and guidance uh, needs to go into a sales team manual, how to make your marketing more consistent, how to make managing people painless, uh, some of the biggest problems that people have. So to access some of those and to sign up to get all of them, including new ones, as they become available, go to ScalingWithoutStress.com. That's ScalingWithoutStress.com, and we'll put a link in the show notes as well. Otherwise, thank you again to Matthew. And a final note for everyone listening we need your help. If you found the content today valuable, just take a quick minute, subscribe, like it, leave a review on your favourite podcast platform. It'll help the podcast get more visibility, ultimately allow us to help more people. But otherwise, until next time, have fun.